This is the Daily Practice Podcast with Crystal Borelli and Andrea Hellman. Harium, Harium, Harium. What's your normal voice? My normal voice. Is that it? No, I think this is it. Okay. Yeah. Do a bit is, more. This is my voice. And I'm trying to strengthen it every single day, stronger and stronger and stronger. How are you trying to strengthen your voice? Listening to what my body is saying, what my spirit is saying, and try to use my voice to convey it, to convey those messages, I suppose. Like you're looking for more clarity or... Yeah, I think we're always looking for clarity. I think that my, because everything is energy, when it comes into your body, either that's through emotion or through a physical feeling or sensation, how to communicate that through your voice out into the world that is in alignment with that feeling or sensation. And that can be challenging because sometimes it comes out like pretty nasty. <laughs> Come out like even my husband looks at me sometimes. He's like, really? He's such a good reminder to keep practicing, you know, the preaching, you know, practice my, what I teach. Yeah. And, um, I try my hardest, but I'm human and I fall off, off course once in a while. And he's a good reminder to be like, Hey, <laughs> mm, I love it. And I think this aligns with one of the topics we had written out for the podcast. And it was about the karma of teaching people who don't want to be taught. Oh, yeah. That's a teaching from the Bhagavad Gita. Yes. So It's bad karma to teach people who don't want to be taught. Uh-huh. So I was thinking we could unpack that a little bit. And then I don't know if this is along the same wavelength, but like when you're talking at people versus conversing. Yeah. A lot of people like the sound of their own voice. I might be one of those people. <laughs> like in yoga, we talk about a good quality of a teacher is to give space for them, the student to have their own experience and have their own moments of stillness for them to like digest what you were teaching or what they feel in their body. But I just have so much to share. I just keep talking. <laughs> it's different though, because you're definitely, if you're talking about being in a yoga class, you're actually in that role of a teacher. True. When you first said that about the karma attached to um, trying to teach people that don't want to be taught, mm -hmm. I wrote down the word consent because yeah. I, was, I was thinking consent was sort of like that's what is needed, I guess. And if people are showing up to your yoga class, they've basically consented for you to be seating in the position as the teacher. Yeah, very true. Okay, well, why don't you teach us or should we ground in first? Grounding in is a nice um, way to start. So if you are able to close your eyes in a place that's safe to do so, you could do that. Otherwise, just take a moment to connect with your breath. And so the yogic breath is filling your belly, filling your waistline, and filling your upper lungs. And then from the exhale, from your upper lungs, down the waistline, down to your belly. And this is just so that we can access the the full capacity of our, our lungs. Hmm. And then I'll have you gather a very full breath in at the very top and suspend your breath just for a moment when you get there. So there's this space of expansion and what teacher would say would be uh, proud yourself. Part your lips and offer your breath slowly and softly out. Yeah, so it's almost like a soft sigh, which is so good for your nervous system. 
We'll do that again. Nice, full, rich breath in. And suspend the very top. Part your lips slowly, softly release it out. We will open with three ohms. Um, the pranava, so the beginning and middle and end of the cycle, these sound vibrations of creation, sustainability, and completion of the cycle. So three times, take a breath in. Ooh So teaching and the lesson from the Bhagavad Gita. That was like the scratch word. That was the scratch yeah. version. Bhagavad. Bhagavad. Gita. Gita. And you can just say the Gita. Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, mama. That's it. I like Night it. Drop. Is it weird to say the Gita? Because I don't really love when people say, oh yeah, we'll have you on the pod. And I'm like, the podcast? Oh, you don't like pod and plunge? Plunge and pod. Well, I like that because it's like a dynamic duo, like it's a title. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like a like yeah. on the pod. Then it's I don't know. Got yeah. Um, no, I think that. What's the sitch? <laughs> I think that both are fine. I think that if you're have already been in the conversation of like we state we're talking about the Bhagavad Gita, yeah, and then your conversation, I'm like, oh, but the Gita says like you don't have to say the whole thing again. Uh, I was listening to Armchair Expert. There was a guy on it, Jay, Jay Shetty, and I guess he had been like a monk before, and he started talking about the Bhagavad Gita. No way. And That's then cool. Dax had never heard of, heard of it before. Oh, cool. And then- Come on, Dax. Dax's co-host, Monica, is Indian, mm. and so she was kind of explaining that her dad kind of always said that the Gita is the closest thing to the Bible for Hinduism, but it's not. Yes. Because it's more of a conversation, whereas the Bible is more like instructional and like historical and all of like that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting that we're talking. Oh, I guess that is what it is. Okay, that's funny. Because I was going to say. <laughs> Do you just put it together? Yes. Yeah, nice. But, Share. Okay, you can tell me if I'm right. But like in my head, I'm like, because it's a conversation, you're not like talking at people or preaching it at them. You're like introducing them to a concept that's like a conversation, which is something we've talked about before, how in today's day and age, like people aren't having conversations with opposite mm. ends of things, you know, like yes. things are very black and white, whereas most of the world is gray. Is that? That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Is that kind of, or what is the actual teaching or like the passage in the Gita that kind of talks about bad karma when you are teaching people that don't want to be taught? Yeah, we see it in, um, in teacher trainings in the way of like, especially the 300 hour, which I'm about to embark on. So this will be good. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Because people show up and this isn't just in teacher training. It's just like a gathering of people coming together mm. with all different types of, you know, 
ways that they've been taught this practice. And so when it comes back to the ego and the way of, you know, one thing to be true in the way to teach it or to, uh, how it was explained to you. So that's what you know is your truth and your understanding of it. But then when you get presented with another way, um, that speaks differently to that, then there could be this, a bit of resistance brought up. You could even see it as this when I was in my my 300 hour training, some of the yoga asanas that I was taught the Sanskrit names for are different in India. Mm. And so I was very resistant to, I'm like, why would I relearn the name for Adamukashwanasana, which is downward facing dog as Parvatasana, that it's the mountains pose. I'm like, because I know it as I'm like, it's downward facing dog, like, you know? And so I had a resistance to learning another way of doing it because I really just didn't want to learn another way. Like you're like mm-hmm. another part of the language. So mm-hmm. there was a bit of resistance. So I didn't want to learn that. And so I would say it's bad karma in the way to push something onto somebody. And A, because it might not be the timing for them. Mm-hmm. They might come around, which I did. I call it Parvatasana now as well. I I offer both, right? Or like, I was going to go into the namaste thing, but maybe I won't. Is that another topic? Yeah, that's another rant. <laughs> I love it. That's another rant. How did you ultimately become open to it then when did you like your body and your mind say or like give consent that you you did want to be taught it I think it was when I got home I put up a little bit of a fight at one point which was a good karma lesson for me to be honest I showed up my 200 hour they said that you had to have been teaching yoga for a year to do this 200 hour so that you knew how to teach a class and I had asked a couple friends to join me and other teachers to come. And one of them was like, oh, I have my training, but I haven't been teaching for a year. And we looked on the site and that's what it said. And so she didn't come. And another one came, another student, of my, a friend of mine came. And when we got there, there was clearly people there that had never taught a class. They had said, like, I've never taught a class. I haven't been teaching for a year. I just did my 200 hour, but they're jumping to 300 hour. And I was like, well, how does that work? Because it said on the website that you have to be. And so when we were doing our demos and stuff, it was really holding back the group. These people that could fum- were fumbling over how to teach like, step back to downward dog, let's say, right? Where I was, and so I was a little bit irritated because I was like, well, I came here with an expectation. You're going against your word and what it should be, right? That age old, like it's supposed to be this way and Mm -hmm. it's not. And I was like, that's bullshit because now we're at the suffering side of things. Little did I know this is a very big teaching for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I said something which upset a lot of people. They were like, that wasn't on the website. Um, we don't know what you're talking about, even though other people had confirmed it and they, they offered my money back and like I could leave. And I was like, no, that's not what I want. What are you talking about? Where was I going with that rant? What was the question? You weren't super open to relearning the words. And I asked kind of like, why, when did you shift that? Okay. So after that realization of it doesn't have to be one way crystal it doesn't have it sh- these air quotes of shoulds mm-hmm. and it can be another way and to let go and not grasp and and then I got like the spirit name summer piami or summer pan excuse me I was thinking about the mantra om summer piami namaha but summer pan is to like devotion dedication and surrender and I was like oh fuck like you got to surrender to whatever is being offered. And this is an opportunity for you to learn and grow. And so at that moment, I pretty much stopped resisting seeing, being like, okay, it can be this way and it can be this way. And then you can pick and choose your medicine and um, be open to receive it now so that you absorb it. Because mm-hmm. lots of times we'll shut ourselves off and then we won't take in the learning or we'll resist it and it comes out in the ego, which was my situation. Boom. 
Yeah, big lesson. Big I love lesson. It. Yeah. It reminds me of a time in my life when I'm like, I just can't swim upstream anymore. I'm done. Mm. It's time to just go with the flow. Karma's a bit of a bitch. Like it <laughs> it's great. I used to get excited after you figure out how to how to work with your karma and recognize it. I think we talked about this already. It actually becomes kind of exciting because you're like, okay, I've got something to work on now. I got something to yeah. work on my spiritual evolution and growth. But I think you have to like pass a few layers of shedding before you can get to that place where you are coachable, where you are open. 1000%. You got to take responsibility. But within that, that all creates more clarity of, you know, even what the Gita is talking about, like the, your Dharma, like these books are about Dharma. They're about your, who you are and stepping into that, or at least the itihathas, itihathas are. I've been writing a lot of like big emails in the past day or 24 hours, I would even say. Mm-hmm. One that I wrote today is because I'm taking this writing course. It's my second one this year. And I found like the first instructor was very like, uh, he was always praising everything that I wrote. And I think in the past, I've always like really loved positive reinforcement. And then this new guy, he kind of was more like giving me more notes on what I was doing and then said, you know, like this dialogue you you can't comment again in this like thread but feel free to email me then he suggested like I got like this one book and then I wrote him today and I'm like I just got the book I'm so excited and just so you know I'm really dedicated and committed to becoming a better writer and I want all the notes you can give me like I'm open and feeling very coachable right now (laughs) but like giving him the consent because I was like I want to get better and I know that's not going to come from people just sort of high-fiving me yeah I think every so many people are so fragile these days too that I think a lot of p- people and teachers and coaches and things like that are a little bit more f- sensitive around that. And so yes, consent of course. But I mean, I've been in class where I've been like, okay, I'm gonna come around. Everyone's in like child's pose. I'm like, lift your hand if you do not want any physical touch today. Like I am gonna be doing hands on. And then I go over to a student and I give them hands on and they like cringe for my hand and I'm like, oh, what is going on? They're like, don't touch me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, but. I asked and you chose not to say anything, which means now we're in this situation. Like that sucks. Mm-hmm. Like you got to, yeah, you got to give consent. But at the same time, if someone's asking, then like respond. Totally. Like speak up so that. Yeah. But sometimes you don't know until you're in the middle of it. Isn't that the truth? So interesting. I cringe a lot with touch sometimes. <laughs> like my sister will touch me and I'm like, oh goodness. But then I know she does it too. So it's interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, two middle-aged women full of hormones just living together. (laughs) (laughs) All right, karma and consent and not teaching people that don't want to be taught. Well, what sparked this thought was you in home hardware, home Home Depot. Unsolicited advice. Yes. Yes. And you're like, is there a teaching around that? And like, we went off on some tangent. And then after the pod podcast, I was like, oh, there is a teaching around that. And this is what it is. So do you think... It would be good to think about, because you just shared something, like a moment in your life when you were not teachable, even though you'd shown up, you'd given your consent really to be taught, but you still had something else you needed to like let go of, or like you had some other external things that impacted you, I guess, a bit. Totally. I feel like it would be good to like think about a time in your life when you kind of thought that maybe you were 
teachable or something, but then you weren't because you're resistant. I think when we're triggered in some way, then we become unteachable. Like we have to get over that trigger first. Mm -hmm. Like in my situation, I was very triggered by this should, it should be this way. And you said this and it's not that. And I was angry. Yeah. Which also stems back to like childhood shit. So yeah. yeah, of course. And so I think that after the emotion of the trigger, then we become into this open space. It's almost like not being able to talk to somebody when they're like crying or angry, right? You got to wait till they're calm, take a couple deep breaths. Okay. Let's talk when we're like in a rational place. Mm -hmm. And then that person is able to listen, right? It kind of like goes like that. I think. I like it. I have like this list with, from my therapist with, have I told you about the list? It's got like maybe like 70 different feelings on it. Okay. And then when somebody says something to you or something happens and then you get triggered, Mm -hmm. like you have a strong emotional response. Sorry. That's okay. My, I've been sitting a lot. I've been oh, working yeah. um, a lot. My hips are really sore. Sound today. I'm not a still sitter today. I'm quite uncomfortable just in my body. Raha. Um, Raha? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like Raha. What is that? <laughs> no idea. Just me butchering some more Sanskrit. What is, what is it? it? Yeah. R-A-J-A-S. Isn't it Raha? Raja? Raja. Yeah. I'm so good at butchering. Raja. Raja. So what were you, sorry, before we, I want to unpack this for a second. So what were you thinking when you said Raha or Raja? What came to mind? Oh, I think I was thinking of Vritti because that's like, isn't that when the mind's spinning? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I was thinking about. Okay. But good. No, no. Raja is right because, um, I thought it was like also like the, well, Rajasic, Raja is the energy of like fire. So mm-hmm. it can make you un, like your mind race, the Vritti. Good job, Andrea. I just second guessed myself because you're like, oh, let's unpack this. And I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong. No, no. you. Yeah, I yeah. was just more curious of yeah, your yeah, thought. Yeah. And I was like, I want to know. It's because I just opened up my Bhagavad uh, the Gita, <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't really read it in oh, not that. 10 years. And then I saw something about uh, and I was like, oh yeah, Raha. Raja. Raja. But I was Got calling it. it Raha, I guess, because I was making the J and H. Yeah, that's Spanish. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like my sister who thinks everything's French. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm going to Bali. She's like, oh, they speak French there? Like, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm not so sure good. if I've told that story on this podcast, but it was so funny when we were at a sushi restaurant and uh, the chefs were speaking Japanese to each other and she yeah. just turns to me and says, I don't speak French. <laughs> I said, neither do they. <laughs> it was the best. Oh my God, that is the best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. those moments. Like I live for those moments. So yeah. good. And then her coach from Whistler Adaptive um, mm-hmm. came from Spain. And so he spoke Spanish and mm-hmm. that just blew her mind. Then everything <laughs> was Spanish. And the way she says it, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Okay, the fire. The rajas. The fire. The rajas. Um <laughs> Oh yeah. So back to what I was saying. So the, the triggered feelings and emotional list, there's like 70 different feelings and emotions on it. And so when you're triggered, you go through the list of all the emotions, like everything that you're feeling in that moment or whatever. And it's wild because you could say, Oh, are you going to wear that hat today or something? And then boom, I would look at my list and you know, all of like the things that I felt from that which like came up in my body and each one it's coming from like like your old trauma or whatever that you got to clear and then it's crazy because then I like dive into it because she's like which one do you want to clear and then we go in and then we like unpack it and then it's gone great it's tangent I don't know if that fits in this pod I wanted to bring it back to you and that 
big teaching you had. You, that was a karma. It was a deep-rooted karma. It was hard. It was really hard. Lots of tears. And also that Krishna talks to Arjuna about the karma and the way of the teaching we've been talking about, but karma in general, just mm-hmm. like, because Arjuna doesn't want to act. And he's like, no, no, you have to act. Like there is no inaction. Like you have to take action. You have to do something. And then he like reveals himself his true form. Remember the story of um, Krishna's mom looking in his mouth when he was a baby and he reveals like the universe and Mm. she like gets transformed in that whole realm. It's kind of like that. He reveals himself again in the Gita to be like, look at the expansion of the universe and look at all of it as a whole. And then this little insignificant, like we all die. (laughs) And this is like very insignificant. However, it's massive because it's what you were born for. We're all born here for something. And I feel like we get so lost in this Maya, this, we call this illusion of, um, reality and in the yogic perspective, this isn't real. Like, mm-hmm. of course, we're in it. We're having a life human experience. But however, we've forgotten about the connection of energy. We've forgotten about all this vastness. It's like that TED Talk of Stroke of Insight. Google it. It's so fucking good. And she's just, she has, um, she's a neuroscience, like oh, neuroscientist yeah, that has a stroke. Yeah, yeah. And she is able to go in between those two of being in her physical body and being out of her body, but in a different part of you know, consciousness really. And she's like, how can I fit back into that tiny little body? Like I'm too big. I'm so vast. Mm, It's kind of like that. Super interesting. It's so fascinating. And just this realization that, you know, we're here for a purpose to have these experiences, but also to really clear our karmas. So it becomes more true and more real and more clarity on our path of what we're here for. Like, what are you here for? And that's one of the greatest works of your life is clearing your karmas and revealing this to take action. And in next week's podcast, we're going to dive into that, like dharma and your purpose. But I think for this week, we should concentrate on like clearing a karma or like thinking of a time in, in your past that you weren't teachable and that you were blocked with something. And then I guess like dissecting it to see, um, to unravel it so that it's not a ball. I was looking for a... Um a sloka from the Gita. A sloka? What's a sloka? It's like a verse. Verse? That's yeah. what I was thinking. Bhagavad. Is that right? Bhagavad? Bhagavad. Bhagavad. You got it. Bhagavad. So this is um, chapter 2, verse 15. And it basically is translation, O Arjuna, noblest amongst men, that person who is not affected by happiness and distress and remains steady in both becomes eligible for liberation. So I love this, is that the God is an ocean of infinite bliss and we souls are his tiny parts, <laughs> little fragments of this ocean. So I'm just going to chant this because it's such a good one from Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> now I can't say it. From the Gita. <laughs> Andrea, how do you say it? Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, there you go, girl. You, just, All right. you break it into three consonants. There you go. Bhagavad. Bhagavad. Yeah, she's, she's got it now. Boom. So it's going to be the song of God, this one. Ah, oh, mm. all right. Okay, ready? And you're chanting? Okay. Yeah, this is a, I love this one. It's a stronger one. Yam hi na vyapta yam te te purusham purusha shabda samadu kasukam diram so mitatwa la kalpate yam hi na vyapta yam te te purusham purusha shabda 
Samadu kasukam diram, so mitatwala kalpate. Yam hi na vyapta yam te te. Purusham purusha shabda. Samadu kasukam diram, so mitatwala kalpate. Clear that karma. We'll see you next week when we dive into the Dharma. <laughs> Hariom. This is the Daily Practice Podcast with Crystal Borelli and Andrea Holman. Yeah, life teachings, life practices. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Om Hariom. Hariom. If you want to check us out on the World Wide Web, our website is thedailypractice.life. And on there, we have all kinds of resources, but we have a free full moon course. It's about an hour long. There's a yoga practice, pranayama. You'll learn a mantra as well as story time and all taught by Crystal Borelli. Hariyam. Yam hi na vyapta yam te te. Purusham purusha shabda. Samadu kam sukam diram, so mitatwaya kalpate, yam hi na vipta yam de de.